0: Well, here we are again for another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. And with me today, I do have an extremely disruptive voice. It's a soft voice, a firm voice, but a bold voice as well. And I'm joined with a woman I've just only met a few weeks ago. Her name is Mother Tamboya. She lives in Nandi, along with her husband and baby. And she and her husband are both pastors at a church and today we're going to be hearing her story i've had the privilege of hearing her story a couple of times this trip Uh, it's very impacting but so profound so welcome mother
1: bula leticia Uh, thank you for having me on this Um, glad to be used by god as a disruptive force Uh, but uh, more so i'm humbled to be doing this you are humble and
0: thank you for um, your humble voice and just listening to you share this week, uh, I love that. There's sometimes when people share, and it's understandable. There's still bitterness. <laughs> um, we're a bit angry, um, and I think that can be understandable. But you've you've worked through a lot of healing, but you're still on the healing process. But just tell us firstly, how long have you been living in Nandi, and um, where are you pastoring?
1: Uh, I moved out of home at uh, 18. And uh, that's when I took a trip down to Nandi. And, uh, yeah, I think apart from that, we've been out of the country for six years. But then we came back and we've been in Nandi ever since, uh, back now for four and a half years. We are pastoring at uh, IFGTC Church. That's, uh, I think, the closest church that you can find near the airport. Yeah. Very good. Now... I, I
0: always love it when I find a Fijian woman who's a pastor because there's probably, you can count them on two hands in this nation, there's not very many uh, top-heavy men um, and great some great men, but we need more women. How do you find being a woman pastor in a culture that pre- pac- um, doesn't always want to listen to women leaders? <laughs> um, how do you find it? Do you come up against uh,
1: issues? Oh, it's a challenge. Uh, A challenge not only, I think, amongst the menfolk, but uh, I think against our women as well. But uh, I think it's gotten better. Uh, gotten better in the sense that uh, people are very accommodating now. Um, People are willing to listen to women from the pulpits. Uh, but uh, there's still a resistance, a small resistance, uh, to women voices being heard. I think there's a preference for men and uh, some Bible verses being used to target women and have them be silenced, but, uh, but yeah, the future looks bright for Fiji and women pastors. Well, that's encouraging, and I
0: have done a podcast with a pastor, Daniel Wood, from Suva, because he has um, almost more women leaders in his church than men, and when you attend on a Sunday, you'll see a lot of women up front, so we've had a big discussion about some of those scriptures that get used against us females, um, and why the Bible um, gives women full permission to speak and lead, (laughs) and the examples... Anyway, you mentioned that you left home at the age of 18 and that was because uh, you were abused by a man in your house for 10 years. Can you tell us um, just a little bit about that, how it started, how's, how that's affected you? But yeah, let's maybe start from the beginning, how it started.
1: Um, I don't know why it started, but it started. Um It was a particular day that I was asked uh, to do things to a man that uh, I did not understand I had to do, but but I had to do it uh, because uh, I was told that there would be consequences that I would face if I didn't do it. And that led to so many years of uh, going through that, uh, sometimes on a daily basis. Uh, sometimes, because uh, I lived away from him uh, for a couple of months, it would uh, end, but then I would be back home, and then the cycle would continue. Um, I think it uh, finally ended when I decided to, to take it to the police, thinking as an 18-year-old, I was finally able to decide as a young adult to, to have a voice for myself. But then I was asked to drop that case and uh, thinking that no one was willing to believe in me, I left home and uh, yeah, Uh, praise God that uh, he's brought me this far and he's still taking me through. Yeah, you've made a really
0: interesting point there um, because you shared your story this week and I recorded it and we put it on Facebook and it's gone crazy because um, so many people identify but I've seen some comments of why hasn't she reported it to the police <laughs> um, and like so many stories I've heard quite often there's people in your life that shut it down um, people, we want to go to the police but uh, the pressure whether it's from family or friends or church members where does that come from why is there a lack of desire for justice
1: I think because our society is so communal in the sense that uh, you want uh, everybody depends on other people so they think that if somebody looks bad the whole community would look bad but I think we we forget that when it comes to abuse the the victims are not looking bad the victims need you the family to be the community that's going to be surrounding that person and uh, And if they get better and get restored, then the whole community will be better. So I think that's where it comes from. That's my guess, that that's uh, where it comes from in our Fijian community. So people would rather shut up the whole thing than uh, come to a confrontation. uh, Because uh, confronting people might mean confronting those who are leaders in your family, uh, people that you don't want to disappoint, or people who've helped you at one time. Uh, Yeah, so that's my guess. I don't know.
0: Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, is that when we're shutting it down, it's um, a, it's going to erupt somewhere else <laughs> at some point, so it, we, we think, oh, this is peaceful for a little while, but it certainly erupts somewhere else. Now your abuser, he was a church man, I wouldn't call him a Christian, because I don't think you can love Jesus and abuse people, but um, like a lot of Fijian population, um, he attended church, but.
1: What would happen on the way to church with him? Um, on the way to church, because it was, uh, we lived away from the village. Uh, he would ask me to uh, move my little dress and do things to me. Um, I didn't realize at that time that uh, it was going to affect me later on. But uh, it was painful things that were done at that time were painful, uh, especially when it was by a full-grown man who was 30 plus years in age. Uh, But uh, we would go to church, Uh, he would share or he would pray or we would go and sing and do whatever was needed to be done for that prayer meeting early in the morning on Sundays and then we would come back. Uh, There were Sundays that uh, I would not want to do it. And uh, I would face the consequences of that, get beaten up. And, um, and yeah, I have to stay away from school, which would mean I would be home again. So I learned early on to just obey what I was told and, and hope for the best. Oh, hope
0: for the best, yes. Um, and so he would do this on the way to church and then get to church and stand up and lead prayer or whatever. Did this make you angry towards God? How did that shape your view of God as a young girl?
1: I was uh, angry, I think, not only on God. I was angry at people. I was angry at my family. I was angry on Him. I think later on, probably 20-something years later, I realized that the person I was most angry on was myself. Uh, I think angry because I I couldn't do anything, I couldn't run away, I couldn't kill myself because I didn't know how to kill myself. Um, So I had a lot of questions for God, Uh, but I'm glad that uh, there were Sunday school teachers uh, who took me early on and would show me love, shower me with love and not knowing what I was going through, I couldn't even tell them what was going on. But they, they portrayed to me something different about God. And I think that's when I, I started learning to pray. But just one sentence prayers and that was enough. But nothing more. I couldn't even bear to tell God what I was going through because I, I thought that he would be disgusted with me. I think that was what I thought. But, uh, yeah. Wow.
0: Isn't that um it's fascinating. Why why would God be disgusted with you? Do you
1: think? I think in my little mind it's because I was hiding something. And uh I, I I think for people who know me now what you see is what you get. I'm I'm not the kind of person who likes to hide things or have a mask here in front of somebody and then you a different person somewhere else. So because I was putting on this sort of a persona or putting on this mask, I felt like I was hiding something and that's and I was doing something dirty and I felt dirty. So I would scrub my body on end you know like every night and even now uh, as a married woman I still make sure that before I sleep I would scrub my body uh because uh, i think that it was so dirty so i think when i would come in prayer i would think that i was a dirty person coming before god that's why i thought that god would be disgusted with me how
0: obviously you don't think that way anymore how have you been able to work through go um those
1: lies mm, it's been tough uh, been a tough journey the journey of uh finding your worth in Christ, uh, finding your worth as a woman, finding your worth as a wife uh, and now as a mother, uh, and uh, digging through the Word of God and allowing God to, to show you or to help you identify yourself in God rather than in yourself. And uh, there are moments that uh, I think I go back to that kind of feeling. I'm tempted to think like that, but I praise God that He's been with me. I praise God for His Holy Spirit who's allowed me to to believe and He's helped me to have faith in Him and uh, I thank God also for a good husband, a husband who stood alongside me and continuously reminds me of my worth and who I am as a woman and not to uh, identify with my past or whatever happened to me because it wasn't my fault so you'd you'd arrived to church
0: after being having to go through the most horrific stuff did Did anyone notice like it kind of um, baffles me that people didn't see any warning signs or didn't see a sad little girl arrive to church. did anyone notice or ask
1: questions um, I think after a few days from when it started happening, I knew that because usually I would tell things to people then they wouldn't believe me and uh, our culture of uh, silencing younger people here in Fiji contributed a lot to me not speaking up uh, I I learned to put on a smile uh, my big Bula Fijian smile and, uh, and work through it and I was so scared that uh, If I did not smile enough, I would come home and people would find out and I would get more beatings because somebody has found out about it. So yeah, I put on a smile and no one one suspected, no one even asked me about it. Maybe they knew, maybe they suspected, but uh, I think because the person who did it to me was respected in society and in our community, so no one would have thought that something like that would be happening. Yep, that's and that's. I was with a
0: team this morning explaining the problem is that quite often the perpetrators are, are looked on as good men. They're they're the leaders. They're leading prayer. They're uh, you would never guess, would you? And to believe a little child that this person is abusing them um, doesn't always happen. You um, to this day physically well and. Mentally, emotionally, probably spiritually, you're you're still bearing the scars. There's still the effects. It's 30 years on, and yes, you're on a journey, he, um, healing of journey of healing. Um, but there's still a f- a ramifications, aren't there? Can you describe what some of those
1: are? Uh, because of the the beatings that I received, I normally go to the doctors every year. Um, I don't uh, carry heavy things now uh, because I have a dislocated hip on one side and I have uh, my discs at the back don't uh, <laughs> are not where they're supposed to be, so you have nerves uh, jetting out from everywhere. And uh, my body, what one of my doctors told me, is my body is a body of an old woman in a young woman's, uh, where a young woman should be carrying. Uh, but uh haven't been able to bear any child uh, My period comes when it does want to it doesn't when it doesn't want to so and uh, I have issues. Uh, I think that we still trying to battle through as a couple uh, When it comes to my trust issues much better now than when we got married uh, I think because I've always wanted to be so independent that uh, allowing my husband to not only lead us but uh, i think i didn't trust i never trusted men after that uh, so when my husband would do nice things for me i i would think that he was doing it because he wanted something more uh, i never really trusted that a man could just love a woman and want to show that woman how much he loved her yeah so i still deal with a lot of things Uh, But uh, I praise God that uh, he's taken me through that restoration process and it's gotten much, much better now. And, yeah, I'm glad. Did you ever think you would get married? Did
0: you have a desire to be married or after the abuse? Because I, again, a lot of women hate men and never want to get married. But what what was your thinking uh, in your late teens? Did you think you might marry? Uh...
1: I, I almost turned to the other side in my high school year. Uh, I had uh, slowly started to feel attraction towards uh, people of the same sex. Uh, and man, God, in all his mercy, uh, I think changed my heart and my mind. And uh, I think... Uh, for me when I turned 16 or 17, I wanted to get married so bad just to run away. I was looking for whoever would be the first person that would want to marry me and then I would do the run. But uh, I am so grateful that uh, God didn't allow it, that I waited a few more years. And I think I was also double-minded whether I would marry this person and uh, I would get beaten up again or get abused again. So I had all these mixed emotions running through my mind. That's why it was either like today I would want to get married, tomorrow I didn't want to. And so I had all these things I was dealing with. Uh, But uh, I've had people come alongside me that were really instrumental in helping to ground me and my values And, and I waited and I'm glad I waited and finally got married when I did, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great story of
1: redemption and that there is
0: hope. Uh, It's interesting that you talk about almost going to the other side because, again, it's just good to be aware because we can judge um, girls quickly for being lesbians and whatnot, but um, from my 20 years of experience with teen girls, most of them are because they've been hurt by men and it's safer to be with a woman and unfortunately, they don't always know Jesus and don't have the um, intervention. So a lot of healing has to go on, doesn't it? A um, lot of healing. Now, you're running a church, you and your husband are pastors. What does the church need to Because ch- every Sunday, there'll be women and men and children that walk into church that are, are being abused, are abusers, you name it, everything under the sun. And we put on our Sulus and our ties and Our and we dress up and we go and we sing and we praise and then we walk out again and nothing ever changes. And we're preaching about who knows what sometimes. (laughs) We're not addressing the real issues. So what do we need to change in our churches to actually heal a whole nation
1: uh, of abuse? Mm, We're actually not lead pastors. We look after the English service of our church So we have the Fijian service and then we have the English service. Uh, Johnny is actually our um, English service pastor. But um, one thing I think we need to change in our our churches here in Fiji is that we need to adopt a kingdom mindset, a kingdom culture, uh, so to speak, because we have been doing church but with our Fijian culture at heart. Uh, the culture of silencing people, the culture of uh, people not being able to stand up and voice their opinions. Yes, sometimes people are ridiculous with the opinions that they come with, but more often than not the opinions that come are really good and it's of those that have been suffering and those that have been abused and I think we need to create a safe spaces, uh, places where people can come and and talk about what they are going through or what they've been through uh, without people preaching down their throats or making them uh, choose whether they have to believe in Jesus or not. Because I believe Jesus wouldn't have forced his message down people's throats. And the Jesus that I've come to know uh, in the past few years that I've been a Christian He's been so patient with me in my journey of not only discovering him but also discovering who I am in him. So I think that's what we need to do. Go back to small groups, that's what I keep on saying. Go back to small groups and train your workers to to know how not only to identify uh, people who have been through trauma uh, from birth until uh, the time that they walk into church and walk alongside people and be willing to walk alongside people. Uh, I think we need to get rid of these um, so-called masks that we have in the church where we expect everybody to come in with a mbula smile but to allow people to be themselves in the church. And I think that starts from us leaders, uh, starts from us pastors being real, uh, dealing with the real issues, talking about it from the pulpits and uh, not over-spiritualizing things from uh, our pulpits, because uh, a lot of our members think that whatever comes from the pulpit, that comes from God. But sometimes our pulpits are not being used for the right reasons. Uh, So, yeah, so. Those are some of the things that I think that we can do. And we hope that uh, we can address that in the next few months and improve our Fiji churches. No, that's
0: powerful. Um, It's important as a leader to understand the context in which we're leading in. Um, And sometimes I wonder what world some of the... uh, Even the pastors in Australia, but especially in Fiji where... I am yet to meet someone that hasn't been abused or been an abuser or addicted to porn or or cheated on someone or sleeping with someone. It's, it just feels like one big hot mess. Um, and as you've heard me say, uh, if you go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with terminal cancer and a broken fingernail, well, we're going to deal with the cancer first. It <laughs> feels like the church is looking at the broken fingernail. Um, not even that sometimes. And so it, it really is a serious time of, hey, maybe we just need to stop some things for a while and heal ourselves. And because Fiji's sick because the church is sick. Um, but we don't like to do that. And we were part of a day on Tuesday creating healthy churches and there wasn't a big turn up. Um, and someone said to me, because no one wants it's creating I think that's an insult isn't it to say (laughs) we need to create healthy churches but anyway I'm um, I get passionate about these things Um, how you know for leaders out there what's some tips for them when it comes to walking alongside victims of abuse Mm.
1: I think I was sharing it in Suva when we were in Suva uh, if people come to you and they tell you their story, the first thing that I would recommend is for you to tell them that you believe them. Uh, not only believe them, but be willing to walk alongside them. At their pace, not at your pace. Uh, don't rush them. Uh, allow them to, to bring that story out little by little. Uh, give them a voice if they need to have a voice and talk about it. Uh, but uh, take, take all the time that they need. Not your time, because I think a lot of time we are rushing because we have the next program going on and whatnot. Uh, But what's important here is the whole restoration of a person. And I believe that if more people are restored fully in our churches in Fiji, the churches will be full because these very people will go out and help to evangelize and bring in more people to the church. Uh, I believe that that's the reason why we are having a sort of a backdoor revival in church or people moving from church to church is because we have so many people that are broken on the inside, are Christians, but they are broken on the inside. So they are going around looking for somebody who will pay attention or somebody who will realize that they need help, like they really do need help. Yes, yeah, so I would encourage leaders to to slow down and uh, to not overpopulate the church with programs so that we can have time to just sit down and have coffee or sit down and just uh, really fellowship and talk to the person, yeah. Yeah, and I think
0: the first challenge for us as leaders is to share our own stories um, because most leaders do have a story or a struggle or something and as we speak up it gives permission to everyone else and so... Um, I always say, if you think there's no abuse in your church, it's because you don't speak about it, whether you've got a story or just even preaching about it, hey? Look, our time has come to a close. Um, just as we finish, I mean, uh, you, you've you just suddenly, well, you decided a year ago to speak out on your um, social media page, which has a huge following, and then... This week we have and obviously your story on Facebook um, has had um, just a phenomenal response again because it's something everyone can identify with. Uh, Why have you decided to speak up in a culture again where I ask many people to speak and I get a lot of no's and that's okay, I'm not going to force anyone but when I find someone I'm like oh thank the Lord (laughs) because we do need to break the culture but yeah why have you decided, and what has the cost been for you to speak up mm,
1: i think for for a number of years, the Lord's been putting in my heart to write a book um, and I think I'm still up to chapter two of that book <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, um, when he finally put on me to to tell my story on on the blog, as a video, I was shocked. Like I, But I'm one person that I've been really trying my hardest in life to follow what God wants me to do and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So it took me a while. Uh, it was a tug of war whether I wanted... I think it wasn't really the talking about it that was the problem for me. It was the fact that it was going to be out there on social media. And we all know what social media is like. Uh, people can either receive you the right way or the wrong way. Uh, So we went into, I talked it over with my husband, and we did a lot of prayer and fasting over it. And then he waited for me to be ready. And I was finally ready on my birthday, and I decided to share it out. Not knowing the magnitude of what would happen out of one story, and now we have such a huge following from that, uh, but um, but yeah, I realized something that uh, that I've I've lost a few people over it uh, <laughs> over telling my story, and even in these past few days, uh, where I've opened up some more, and I think the the sharing that has gone on is was more than my initial story on Facebook. Uh, I've had people that have actually told me when we meet, I don't know what to say to you. Uh, not only that, it's like, uh, are you sure you should have said that about this certain issue? Or are you sure you should have said that about the church? or? And I know that it'll cost me some relationships, and uh, but I'm willing to, to do it because I believe God is leading me into it. And I believe that, uh, out from, what, from the little obedience of me being able to speak, God will begin to restore more people. And I'm seeing it because people are writing and they are just saying and being so grateful that finally somebody is giving a voice to them. Uh, because some of them will never be able to speak. Some of them, I think, just identify so much with it that uh, now they have a reason to come out and share to someone. So that's what I've been doing for this past couple of days, ever since the, the story on your page came out. Just, uh, I'm like a professional counselor <laughs> right now, just counseling people, yeah, and uh, just so grateful for that. Oh, well, thank
0: you for taking the time to counsel people. And I've been receiving messages and emails too and haven't had the time, unfortunately, so I might pass them on to you. But, yeah, I think the um, healing and the hope that you've brought to thousands of people far outweighs the handful that... it is. I always find it fascinating, just the religious comments you get back. (laughs) And I'm not sure what it is and what's going on in those people's lives. They've probably got their own story. Um, But listening to you mother and i think we've got to weigh up the heart even more than the words you love the church you know that's why we say this stuff about the church and it's got to be confronted the evil um the hiding the silence the religiousness i mean jesus he confronted it and so that's exactly what we're doing but at the same time we love the church and we want something far greater uh far far greater so that's your heart so thank you so much um What would you just like to say to other victims out there who could be suffering in silence and and listening to this
1: podcast? Mm. I'd like to say to you that uh, if you are going through this, there's help available. Uh, There are those of us that are there that are willing to hear you, that are willing to walk alongside you, and it does get better. One day it will get better. Uh, I remember one time I used to pray that uh, God one day make me be happy, and and our God in all His goodness, in all His grace has answered that prayer for me, and I know that uh, He will be faithful to you too. And so I would like to encourage you, um, if you need to report that case, go ahead and report it, if you need to contact Letisha or I, uh, please do it so we can direct you to the right place uh, where somebody can do something about what you're going through. But please don't go through it alone and please don't end your life because that's not the end of the road Uh, but there's so many people who are willing to do more for you.
2: I see Your suffering, I see the pain beneath that bowl smile. Come out from hiding, the sun is rising, let the islands hear reason. Innocent and yet condemned to die But I am here now, defender of the broken I will restore your island paradise Easily I see your suffering I see the pain beneath that bowl smile. Come out from hiding, the sun is rising. Let the islands hear reason live.